0: sports as a kid?
1: I played a lot of sports as a kid. I feel like I didn't have a particular one that I stuck to, but you know, we've got the regular, the old basketball, football, you know, run of the mill. What about you?
0: Well, football as in handball or as in football with feet? I'm like about the soccer. To, one.
1: I'm about to leave this call.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, as a child for one year and one year only played soccer but oh it's football God.
1: or you soccer. Know, in my head, the ball touches your foot. <laughs> yeah, That's the whole game. You have a penalty for touching your hand. Oh, yeah. So, ideally, it should be called football, right? To me, the American football is just like rugby.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am completely in the same boat. I'll right. never understand why American handball is called football. You know, you know, speaking of sports, we've got some sports for you today. Hello, okay. welcome to the Unfinished Mind. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about sports and sort of their societal impact and uh, cultural significance a little bit. Um, yes. You know, we're going to talk about some sports stuff.
1: We've been we've been throwing up, throwing around the term "sport" a lot. So let's just give it a quick definition. You know, right out of the dictionary. It is any activity requiring physical exertion, skill, and some level of competition. Now, I feel like just by saying that, I might have, there might be a lot of debate as to what can and cannot be considered a sport, which we will definitely get into. Yes. Um, But that is the dictionary definition of sports. Some of the most popular sports in the world include association football or also known as soccer, cricket, basketball, tennis, volleyball, combat or martial arts, which includes boxing and wrestling, American football, et cetera. So, you know, there's you've got your run of the mill, like, you know, team sports that people play. And these are widely considered as sports by a majority of people. No one is going to argue with you about pretty much any of these, I don't think. And there are established leagues and tournaments for these sports and are played and watched by millions and millions of people, you know, as we recently did have the Super Bowl, as we will get into. Mm -hmm. There are also some sports that are considered unconventional or probably not as popular as the ones I listed before. We've got like cornhole which requires hand-eye coordination and some amount of strength. Uh, So, you know, people would consider it a sport. I have never played cornhole, so I really don't know. I just,
0: I struggle to see it in a sporting context when usually it's in a context that involves like the outdoors and a fire and like barbecue and like drunk cousins, you know?
1: You know, that's why we've got this little like unconventional
0: title put before it. Cause it's like, we don't, we don't know, you know, take we figure it out. I don't know. But then again, you know, I've never seen professional cornholers. So maybe (laughs) I need to like watch how the pros do it and have a, have an awakening. Not
1: have an awakening. Oh yeah. We've got racing under unconventional sports. And I feel like I might've upset a lot of people with that, but you know, things like the formula one, NASCAR. Driving race cars is way more physically exerting and dangerous than one might think. Um, The high speeds cause you to experience an immense G-force or gravitational forces. And you must endure contact with other cars, you know, in case your car gets flipped over or something. So, you know, many people consider like equivocate the danger of this activity to the sporting uh, feel. We've got game shows that, you know, you can watch with your family at night. We've got the American Ninja Warrior, Hole in the Wall. Um, actually, Ben and I had to search up what Hole in the Wall was. You kind of jump through walls that are shaped differently, and you have to like angle yourself in the perfect way to get through that hole.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like human shaped cutouts, but the humans are in goofy like poses, kind of like cool. that one game. Oh, what's it called? Dance Dance Revolution. You know. But it's like the wall moves at you and you better (laughs) strike the right. My bad. Better strike the right pose or it's going to get got by the wall. It's inspired by a Japanese game show. Look it up. It's kind of funny looking. I kind of want to try
1: it. Honestly, I might just consider that a sport because it's like, I can't do that. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I imagine it requires some finesse.
1: Finesse. That's, that's the perfect word for it. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. You know, under unconventional sports, we've also got hunting, fishing, sailing, skydiving. They all require some amount of physical exertion and skill and could also involve some level of competition, but you know, it's just still on the brinks of being considered an actual sporting activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, moving on, we, we enter the realm of controversial example of sports. So this is like pretty more divisive. Like there's probably like a lot of split between whether these things are considered sports or not. And top of the list, we've got chess. Um, chess requires immense strategy and exertion of the brain, but almost no physical exertion other than moving a piece. So we've got one extreme over the other. There's definitely competition and there's definitely stakes,
0: but is it a sport? Mad respect for the chess heads out there
1: next on the list we've got esports for all the gamers out there it requires exertion of the brain and calculated hand maneuvers but some people argue that it is not physically exerting enough you know the thing is like i enjoy archery a lot and archery doesn't require you to move as much as other sports might like you kind of really just have to like pull back on a bow and like aim and like do the mental game, but it's still considered a sport. So I'm willing to give esports the pass on this one.
0: Yeah, you know, like, I think you're right about that. I just I well, even like archery, you know, that's still like like tangible. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, esports can be sports. We'll allow it. We'll allow. <laughs> we the sports gods have decided. <laughs> unfinished mind
1: approved (laughs) yes indeed we've got gambling up there which is very interesting you know when people play poker and stuff like that it requires competition and skill Mm -hmm. but physical exertion is questionable once again you know unless you're sweating buckets and you've made a bad gamble (laughs) you're not doing that much (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've got pool or billiards, that this requires some more physical skill, yet some people say it is still not exerting enough to be labeled as a sport. So ultimately, the definition of sport, as we're seeing, is pretty subjective, and there may only be a handful of activities deemed a sport by a majority of people.
0: Makes sense, you know. Um, Yeah, it does. I typically err on the side of like, if I can't do it, it's probably a sport someone's good at. Yep. or but but then it's like is it a sport or is it an art form cuz like chess feels like an art form more Ooh. than it does a sport. Mm, I That's, don't know. You just drew a very interesting boundary there. Yeah. I yeah. mean it's it's a real shaky boundary. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sa- shaky boundaries, let's talk about social values. <laughs> So sports have a lot of value to us as, as social creatures. You know, it's, it's one of our many bonding activities that we humans can get into. Um, and one thing that sports are quite good for is community building. Being a fan of a particular sports team can give people a sense of belonging, um, which is something that we are evolutionarily tied to. It's a, it's a need for social inclusion and interaction. Uh, sports have historically been a subject of sp- shared between fathers and sons and family members of all kinds and the song for example take me out to the ball game of american baseball fame uh resonates with many father-son relationships as an anthem that represents quality male bonding time i resent that it is Gendered is quality male bonding time, as I also bonded with my father over that song. But OK, Oh no, <laughs> you can bond with whoever you want to at a baseball game. So uh, you could also, aside from community development, um, there's a great deal of personal development that one might say a sport could endow a person with. So partaking in a physical activity like sports helps to regulate both physical and mental health which in turn can support healthy development of self-image and just sort of help sort everything out up there. So that's always good. Uh, For some people, sports are a significant part of their personality, self-esteem, and self-expression. And I feel like they always in education make kids do sports because it builds character. Like that was always a big thing when I did Taekwondo as a child. And speaking of education... Sports can also be used there pretty, pretty frequently. So little league sports and grade school sports instill values, hard work, loyalty, sportsmanship, and ambition to athletes at a young age. Sports teams in schools have been used to increase student retention in schools. It cultivates a safe space for students to learn and connect with faculty and peers, provides incentives for providing prioritizing academic courses for sports eligibility, and it can even provide a pathway to personal growth or to steer clear of other negative influences. So sports programs in schools can often be like a really good social crutch for some people who don't have these structures in place in their own home lives. Um, So that's kind of cool.
1: That is pretty cool. I mean, there's so many aspects that sports touches upon you know just personally and interpersonally Mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways sports is also an economic socioeconomic tool like widely it has been in the past and still used as a way to navigate and move up in social classes so talking a little bit about how sports adds on to the socioeconomic mobility Mm -hmm. historically Uh, Black athletes had got a lot of respect from their athletic achievements before this level of you know admiration was ever given in the workplace or even the larger community. The idea of being like sporting like a good sportsman was very highly considered in in the site, especially for black athletes. And as an example, in 1936, Jesse Owens defied all odds when he went to the Berlin Olympics and won four gold medals in the track and field events. Although discrimination and segregation were still very much a thing at the time, he great, he gained a lot of acclaim for his great feat. So in that way, you know, that's just an example of how black athletes had respect from their sporting achievements. And because the great profits one can make as a sports player for the more well-known sports like basketball, football, tennis, or baseball. Sports are a means of socioeconomic ability. Um, I will say, though, as a disclaimer, that all, not all sports get you yeah. back. And in a very sad but truthful way, sports are egalitarian. You know, you need access to resources, equipments, training areas and, you know, coaches, knowledgeable coaches that are tied to wealth. And, you know, this all of these things are something you can only acquire with money. And so it is seen more often than not that people with money enter these professions and there have been stories of people that have achieved fame and fortune by way of their sheer talent and dedication despite being born into a family that wasn't well off so you know there's two sides to it but it's just the way that society works capitalism and a very prominent example of someone who made their way to the top through sheer sheer talent as we all know is cristiano ronaldo He was so talented that at an early age, the Flamengo scouts noticed and invited him to watch a game. His family could not pay for the fare of the game. And Ronaldo used to walk to his training facilities as a kid because his family did not have enough money for transportation as they were barely making it work for, you know, feeding the family. And at 17, he was signed by Cruzeiro and the rest is history. I mean, <laughs> as we all know, he's a he's a great football player.
0: Quite the futbolista. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's very good. Very good stuff. Um and you know, there's also a lot of like economic value that comes from sports themselves. Like like it it generates a lot of economic uh stimulus, I suppose. For example, sports can generate a lot of memorabilia which people tend to buy for their favorite team. Um, and this is also another way that they can, you know, sort of telegraph their team affiliations to each other and feel connected to the team and to others that enjoy the team. For some very expensive examples, perhaps uh, the most expensive s- sports memorabilia item sold was Michael Jordan's 1998 game worn jersey, which sold for 10.09 million dollars. <laughs> And another example, perhaps, is baseball cards for trading and collection, which has become sort of imbued in American culture, even though it kind of just feels like something your uncle does. And no one actually, you know, no one actually does that. But like maybe just like that one guy named Joe still does it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it provides another way for money to be generated from sports. So that's pretty cool. Um, another thing that can happen in sports teams, especially in the U.S., i S I'm sure it happens everywhere, but you know, speaking from the American perspective is the purchasing of teams and players, which feels really weird, but, but basically sports teams are commodities these days. Um, and teams can be literally bought as in like owned, you know, the, the training and the facilities and the, you know operations of the team is owned by an individual works like a company does. Um, It just happens to be a company that plays sports ball, I guess. So teams offer a way for people to buy them by providing funding for the team and potentially revenue for the team owner through the games and such. Um, There are also opportunities for fractional ownerships of sports teams. So like buying shares uh, by investing in the corporate parents that own those teams while professional sports may appear to be lucrative due to the huge player contracts, the reality is that many team owners don't seek profits, but an increase in value of the team. So they're trying to build hype for their 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 kids on the field. I don't know that mm-hmm. that that sounds right. <laughs> so many teams are consistently losing money, and the value of franchises like the Dallas Cowboys, however have increased in value over uh, year after year. So, like, sometimes the sports team is in the red and sometimes the sports team is in the green, in the ledger, yeah. or in the black. It's in the black, right? How do ledgers work? I wish I knew. Okay. I I think like, it's, yeah. I think
1: it's red and black. Yeah. I also was realizing this is probably why match fixing, like, occurs just generally. Because I know in India, like, there were a lot of years where There was a lot of controversy around a lot of matches being fixed in cricket.
0: Oh, as in like the the cricket matches rigged? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: Because like, you know, at a certain time, like a certain team losing or winning would mean more, like it would mean a different thing out in the profit world. So they Mm -hmm. would like fix matches to make sure that happens. And it was like a lot of people got sued and fired and you right. know, dragged through the mud so you know this it, this opens a gateway to all kinds of commotion
0: it's like the wwe you know like that yeah. it's decided who's gonna win in advance uh yeah no it's interesting for sure um so speaking of sports and and their economic value and their meaning to the world let's talk about big sports like the con like you know how there's big pharma Let's let's talk about big sports, because basically this is when like sporting events get so aggrandized that like the whole world's focused on that sporting event for a little while or, you know, the whole country or the whole region or wherever the big event is happening. Uh, for example, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is like the crazy big sport thing that happens in the U.S. every year in February. Um, February is how we're saying February these days. Um, so. Sure. Yeah, the unfinished (laughs) mind. So the Super Bowl is honestly at this point, it's mostly just ads and performances. Um, That's what everyone's there for. Not actually the the book fall. No one's watching the football, the ball foot, the handball, the American handball. No one's watching it. Uh, But it is the National Football League or NFL's final playoff game in which two teams compete for league champion The first Super Bowl was in 1966 and has historically occurred on a Sunday in either January or February. Hence, the day is often referred to as Super Bowl Sunday. And there's like parties and chips and dips and it's a good time. Uh, So the advertisements for the Super Bowl uh, became a big deal early on. The NFL has trademarked the phrase Super Bowl and only sponsoring companies are really allowed to use the term. So here's hoping that this podcast episode no please <laughs> oh no, any sort of repercussions for the amount of times we said booper soul in the <laughs> past. I'm gonna keep calling it that now, booper soul. Yeah. Um anyways, the big football game, the big game, you know the one, the big game, uh only allows sponsored companies to use the term those not sponsoring but want to make promotion make promotions related to the game must use euphemisms so the big game oh no the game that must not be named the (laughs) game that must not be named so uh the booper soul also the ads the commercials are their own sort of thing like i personally will fast forward through the game and just watch the ads and um that's because they're chock full of celebrity cameos, odd humor, unpredictability, and just like goofy, silly, goofy characteristics that these ads are just full of. Uh, and because the big game is one of the U.S.'s most watched events, advertisers use the ads to take advantage of the wide viewership and create buzz around whatever they're advertising. Thus, memorable ads are made in hopes to go viral and get a ton of exposure each ad like the cost for a 30 second ad in 2022 was up to 7 million dollars. Oh my god. That's like that's like 70% of a Michael Jordan 1988 jersey like, whatever year it was.
1: <laughs> just to give y'all some perspective on how much money this-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just to put it in context.
1: Oh my goodness. I Oh my god! I can't. I I don't know. As some as someone who never grew up watching, the the game that I cannot name, it's <laughs> it's intense. That's a lot of money going into one big big pool. Um, which I guess I it's America, mm-hmm. great wonders here. <laughs> Indeed. Being Wonder. a little bit of a zoom out though, we've got the Olympics. You know. The the wide-known Olympics. It is an international sports event held in four-year periods, with summer and winter sports alternating every two years. The first Olympic Games was held in 1896 in Athens, Greece. You know, that's where we all know the Olympics comes from. Since the first event, the Olympic Games have evolved to include the Paralympic Games, Youth Olympic Games, and the Special Olympics today. Over 200 teams compete in the Olympics. Wow. Sports-related costs for the Olympics are tens of billions of dollars. For example, the 2008 Beijing Summer Olympics cost around, you know, $40 billion. <laughs>
0: that's money. That's money.
1: I guess that's it's... Like, a, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> no. like a lot of Michael Jordan jersey.
1: <laughs> Oh, you did the math already. And I was like, how?
0: And I was trying to think if that's like at least 400 Michael Jordan
1: jerseys.
0: (laughs) Like at least.
1: It's a huge privilege and honor to be hosting the Olympics as a country. So I guess, you know, the money on it is just. It's just like part of the part of the deal. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. We've got next on the list, the FIFA World Cup. Now, this is something I like because it actually calls football what it's supposed to be called. Um, yes. <laughs> FIFA stands for the Federation International de Football Association. I don't know why half of those words are French and half of those words are English, but they are. The FIFA World Cup, also known as just the World Cup, is a tournament held every four years like the Olympics and played by men's national teams. <clears throat> Not a big fan. We need we need the whams
0: up in there. Mm-hmm.
1: It is considered the most prestigious association football tournament. The World Cup is also the most widely viewed sporting event. Event In 2022, viewership is estimated to be around 5 billion people. So no shade to the the blooper bowl, but there's something else going on today. <laughs> and it's the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> Indeed. The qualification phase of the FIFA World Cup is the three years prior to the event where teams play to compete in the tournament. So, you know, it's like a pretty big buildup to the, to the end and the rigmarole. And the FIFA Women's World Cup first took place in 1991 and is also held every four years where women's national teams of FIFA play.
0: Wow. Yay. Incredible. We love it. We love to see it. Yep. Another big sporting event that's perhaps a little smaller, more regional Lots of these exist in the world, but this one has acquired international fame for various other reasons that will become apparent when I say its name. The Boston Marathon, uh, which is the world's oldest marathon, which is, of course, if you don't know, a 26.2 mile run, uh, as as measured from Athens to Marathon, Greece. And then the guy died, whatever his yeah. name was. <laughs> May he rest in peace, that first runner uh, immediately died upon completing that, which is I imagine what I would do if I attempted to run a marathon today, but
1: oh yeah, yeah. The one, the fact that Austin's marathon was like literally
0: yesterday. And- oh yeah, Austin Marathon. Congrats to anyone who ran that. Um, yeah, I know one of our scriptwriters did. Shout out to Ariane. good job. Oh, well, not the whole thing, a half marathon, but still, good job. You did great. XOXO. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, the Boston Marathon is held annually on Patriots Day. The first one was run in 1897, and it is one of the best known road races and around half a million people in the world. I don't know why I said it like that, but in the world come (laughs) to spectate each year. Uh, Anyone over the age of 18 who meets the qualifying standards is eligible to run. You must run a marathon within a certain window before the Boston Marathon within these standards. So... Basically, you got to be a runner already to even get on the list for this marathon. It's a special one. Uh, The qualifying standards vary based on gender and age. Men aged 18 to 34 must run a marathon in less than three hours. Women of the same age group must run in less than three hours and 30 minutes. The qualifying times increase as age increases. So some runners don't need to reach a qualifying time if they receive an entry from a partner, such as charities. So... In other words, uh, you can get sponsored, though. So if you're interested in getting sponsored to run a marathon, go crazy, go stupid, do what you want. Um, Also, we're not going to talk about the reason the Boston Marathon is a big one, but like, you know, and if you don't know, there's Google. (laughs) So um, these big sporting events, like, for example, the Boston Marathon. (laughs) Uh, have rather negative impacts on host cities and the environment and the community that they are often held in. This is especially true for the Super Bowl, the Olympics, the World Cup, these really, really big ones that attract like global traffic and go on for weeks and weeks. These sort of things uh, can get very messy very fast. So these mega events concern economists, environmentalists and host communities. Economists compare the high costs of billions of dollars to host versus the long, the few long-term economic benefits. So like a basically a giant billion dollar blimp of chaos enters your city for a couple of days or, or a week or two or whatever. And then it leaves and you've just spent billions and received mm, probably not also billions. Um, so it's, you know, It's a little bit detrimental in the moment, but research does find that hosting uh, promotes philanthropic contributions from companies, uh, which supports local nonprofits. So that at least is good. Um, The the sort of economy in general not so good, but uh, local nonprofits do a pretty good job during these big events. Um, As for the infrastructure that these events take place on, like roads, airports, facilities, all of this. Millions of people can be displaced by these mega events at a time. And when the Olympics are finished, the areas left over uh, become essentially ghost towns. Like these giant mega hotel complexes for athletes will be constructed and then they're completely empty afterwards because the villa is no longer needed. Uh, the buildings and roads constructed specifically for the Olympics are often left abandoned and they can be kind of ghost towny y, very scoopy, spoopy, spoopy indeed. Um, spoopy. And also, you know, they're just really bad for the environment. Like, it's just a lot of traffic just come in and decimate uh, local ecosystems sometimes, so it's kind of rough, but... Definitely. But we gotta watch our sports. We gotta <laughs> see the sports or whatever, I guess.
1: Dude, did you see that, like, last game? Though? <laughs> did
0: you see the last game? Did you see Red Gerard on the ski slopes? <laughs> on the snowboarding slopes? That's the only Olympian I could think of in the moment. I don't know what that says about me, but... That was the one name I could pull. Michael Cox, there's another one. Jeez. There's please. another one. <laughs> Katie Ledecky. I know you too. Anyways.
1: We, we are aware of the unfinished mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the unfinished mind. And how many Olympians Ren doesn't know? Simone Biles. There's There's one there's another one for free. Another one. <laughs> another one. DJ
1: Khaled. Oh my god, we're <laughs> just doing phrases today. We can't we, we cannot I get sued. Know.
0: We cannot get Oh, yeah, we might get sued over the uh, sort of game that shall not be named that we if named. You guys don't hear us after,
1: if you don't hear us after this episode,
0: it's because we got sued. So if the unfinished mind gets taken down. Um, you can find us in jail, probably.
1: Uh, oh, my goodness. No, please. I have, a, <laughs> I have a degree to finish.
0: <laughs> please, yeah. I'm graduating. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Oh well, thank you all for joining us on this sports related journey hope you learned something hope you had a good time hope you either gained an appreciation or a hatred for sports whichever one you if you were ambivalent before i hope you're not now <laughs> i hope you have a strong opinion now <laughs> about sports yep so thanks for joining us uh we'll see you next week on the unfinished mind i've been ren and i've been actually and we'll catch you next week uh, Bye bye the unfinished mind is brought to you by the polymathic scholars our scriptwriters this week were Arian Austria, Neha Yawakar, Darshan Salvakumar, and Niels Levitabo. Sound designed by Jensen Richardson, Emeris Mendoza, and Bolong Tang. Produced by Liz Kinurk and Bill Tang. Our publicists are Claire Nevins and Audrey Holton. Hosted by Ren Smith and Akshi Pant. Thanks for listening, and remember to follow your curiosity.